The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Brutal Nation. Podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. Remember, boys and girls, you can boogie all night long, listen to a little bit of Disco Inferno, a little Stain Alive. How about that, Tam Tam? You're just shaking your fucking head at me. I'm waiting for you to go into the Wolfgang, what's his name? Wolfman Jack? Yeah. Nah, I'm thinking Disco today. I know, you kind of are. I'm thinking Boogie Fever, a little... uh, 1970s Disco. I want... An eight-track player and Disco's some dead. belt. Disco's not dead, you heathen. Damn. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the heathenistic thinking that Disco is dead. Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. You finally... Not, I know, I finally get a freaking Friday. Like, you Fuck finally her. got a... Dr- next, at least two or three. You got a dream come true. Only because you've had them for like the last three months. I love Friday because I love the sex crimes. Well, and not just that is you like the. I like the more perverse, the better. Yeah, the gore and the whole thing behind it. And I'm just. Okay, there we go. I was going to say I clicked on something on accident. However, today we are featuring one I've been wanting to do for a while and you tried to steal him from me, a little fucker. <laughs> but I'm tired of you I was going to steal him. I was just going to borrow it for no, a little bit. You said, oh, I'm going to do this one. I said, no, I have already texted you. I'm taking that one. <laughs> but um, Richard Trenton Chase. He Fabulous. is known as the Dracula Killer, the Vampire yeah. Killer, and the Vampire Sacramento. Sweet. Yeah. So I will warn everybody right now. Listener discretion advised, and if you have a very weak stomach, maybe you might want to read about it instead. Right. This might not be the episode to be <laughs> yeah, listening to. Yeah, you might to. want to just check out our blog later and read about it, because then you kind of skip over the gruesome parts. However, my quote for him is freaking spot on perfect. Is it from Count Dracula? No, it's from David Wellington. He said, vampires, real vampires don't nibble on the necks of nubile young virgins. They tore people to pieces and sucked the blood out of the chunks. Yeah, they they did. If yeah. you believe in real vampires, I don't want anybody to think that I'm weird. No, however, I'm going to explain something here, too. To most people, the idea that vampires exist seems insane. However, we should never deny the fact that they are real. At least there's a form of vampire that exists today. In this case, I'm about to present for you Richard Trenton Chase. Um, ha- he was what many would consider being the modern-day equivalent of a vampire He um, that we read about in fiction novels. He sought out to acquire blood from other humans for the purpose of drinking it. You see, he had convinced himself he needed this blood to survive. Yet he was unlike the vampires of lore in that he did not spontaneously combust in the sunlight and he didn't sleep in a coffin. Uh, but I could be wrong about that, about that second one. You know, it, that's just an assumption of mine. Because <laughs> I've heard about people do, do sleep in coffins. What's wrong with that? Dude, I don't want to know about your Friday nights. <laughs> so Chase's belief that he was in fact a vampire was the result of the severe mental illnesses he was plagued with. 
for the majority of his life. The most severe being his paranoid schizophrenia. As you hear his story, keep in mind that these were the actions of a deeply disturbed, mentally ill man that from a young age showed signs of his inability to function in this world. Right. Yet, I mean... And what this year is where, was this? Does it say? In the 70s. Okay. Starting in the 70s, he, in, in early 80s. Okay. Okay, so this is my whole thing. He should have been protected from himself because by doing so, others would have been t- protected from mm-hmm. him too. Okay? That's what I want to say. I believe he was let down by society in general. Um, let's see. There were... Red flags almost from the beginning. Richard Trenton Chase was born in Sacramento on May 23rd, 1950. Of the many reports I found, and I'm still digging because I have a couple of feelers out there, very few talked about what his childhood was like. However, I was able to piece together a little bit of information. When he was a child, he was abused by both of his parents, like emotionally and physically abused. I didn't see any I didn't see any reports about sexual you abuse. You saw him look in my eyes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't see that, but like I said, very little information. So was you found. don't need sexual abuse to be this kind you of a don't. freak, especially when you're paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. Um, let's see. So by the time he celebrated his tenth birthday, he began to exhibit behaviors often seen in children who have major psychological problems. The main behaviors he began to display are the ones that the, and this is where I get into the homicidal triad with the chronic bedwetting fascination for setting fires and ruthless torture of animals. He showed all three signs. That's a good indicator right there. Yeah. But he, like I said, he was also severely abused. Right. You know? So, um, Oh, okay. No. Um, I also want to point out that when I say that perhaps people knew then what is so accessible today, when he began to display these behaviors, it, it could have been, it more than likely could have been a cry for help. No, very much so. Yeah. You know, and hopefully, I'm, I mean, t- it, with today's society and the knowledge we have and the resources we have, I would hope that if you see a child with these indicators, Either if it's your friend's child, your child, anything, somebody should get them help immediately. Right. At least take a little bit of a closer look, see what the exactly. fuck's going on. I mean, ask him what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay, that's, I mean, that was my plea to people. Now, he began to use a heavy drug use and started having delusional thinking in his teens. So by the time he turned 18, he was a heavy drug user. He would consume them almost on a daily basis, and the drugs he preferred were alcohol and marijuana laced with LSD. Nice. Good now, choice. I mean, marijuana itself, I'm not going to say it's a big, you know, big problem, but marijuana laced with LSD That's will a bit fuck much. you the fuck up. When you're already having delusions, then you're going to put a... Uh, yeah, another hallucination. Right, hallucination a psychoactive in, drug in there. in there. Yeah. However, even with this daily consumption of these intoxicants, he managed to fare well while he was in high school and even graduated, hmm. you know, which is not common with this. Right. Good job. So when I saw a picture of him back then, he looked like an average student with hopes and dreams. I felt great sadness knowing how his story ends. Okay. As the years progressed, 
so did his substance abuse. As Richard's substance abuse progressed, he became more and more paranoid and delusional. You think? Yeah. He also developed hypochondria, severe hypochondria, and often complained about having some of the most bizarre health issues you could ever imagine. I have sickle cell anemia. Okay, first of all, that's only common in African Americans. I know. But no, this here, that's he why thought I said that. The p- profound health issues were only compounded by his increased delusional paranoia. So, Once again, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, for instance, he truly believed that somebody or something had stolen his pulmonary artery out of his heart. Wow. And as a result of this, no, seriously, I mean, this is exact. He believed this. As a result of this, he honestly thought his blood was turning into powder. And these, these beliefs morphed into him convincing himself that at times his heart would literally stop beating as a result um, of these ailments. Did anybody stop, even in the 70s, to explain to him if you don't have a pulmonary artery... Powdered blood is the no. least of your worries because you, you're dead. Yeah. You're not no, alive. No. So this is just it. He, with all this belief, because he literally believed this was, uh, he suffered from this. So he then set out to find a way to cure himself since there didn't seem to be a solution in using modern medicine, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So he soon thought he found this cure by going out in the woods so he'd capture a small animal. Once he caught the animal, he would kill it and consume its blood. Since none of the doctors he went to took him seriously, he found a, basically a self-prescribed heart medication. Oh, okay. Okay. So, however, the killing of animals also solved another one of Richard's probably more realistic health issues. Despite having girlfriends throughout high school, they never lasted very long because he had impotency issues. He, oh? He found that killing the animals helped him achieve an erection. Odd way to get a heart on. All but right. I've seen, I've read about that happening before. I kind of understand, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people who go on in serial kill, that's the only way they can get release, sexual releases, by killing people. Well, you some. Know? I wouldn't say a lot, but some. Huh? some. I know, I said some. I think like, said a lot. No, I said some, like Carol Cole and, right, you know. Right, right, right. Some of them that we still have to feature, I've seen have them. Pretty sure that Patrick Kearney can still get a heart on. And you'd like to find out, huh? Sticking up for Pat. <laughs> so when Richard graduated from high school, he couldn't move out of his parents' house fast enough, especially since he had started to convince himself that his mother was systematically poisoning him. He chose to move into a small apartment with some other people, but it didn't take long for things to go downhill there as well. His drug use was worse than it had ever been, and he'd take... He'd taken to walking around the apartment naked. He didn't care what time of day it was or who happened to be around. And it didn't take long for his roommates to demand he vacate the premises, which he refused to do. Since he wouldn't move, they did. Obviously, they're stuck-up assholes. Okay, but they're... Who... I mean, if they had company over, would... I mean, come on now. If Jake did, I just point and go, no, that's my son. He walks around naked. He's a fucking idiot. I've already seen him without a shirt on. Please don't make me see the rest of him. Jake, strip. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Please do not. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. So since he didn't move, they did. He then had the apartment all to himself, and his animal rituals became even more disturbing. Now, 
Scott, I know you're eating. Mm-hmm. But if you have a weak stomach, I apologize. Maybe you shouldn't be eating at this moment. I got strong Instead stomach. of going into the woods to kill the animals and consume their blood, Richard started bringing the small animals into the apartment. Once he had them in the apartment, he put them in a blender with a little bit of Coca-Cola to make himself a smoothie. Oh, there you go. A little smoothie smoothie. He drank it in an effort to medicate himself. Needless to say, it wasn't very long before he he had to move because he couldn't afford to pay for the apartment himself. So he wound up moving back home with his parents. Okay. Did they have a blender? I don't know, dude. Rotten bastards. I know. Get the boy a blender. So, in 1973, he turned 23 years old, and um, he had pretty much a revolving door of institutionalization. You think? Yeah. Um, He would be admitted to a mental institution for the first time. Um, I still have some feelers out there to try to get some more reports. However, um, I couldn't find a whole any information on that state. In 1976, I saw reports about him being admitted to the hospital again. That time, he was in the emergency room because he managed to give himself blood poisoning when he decided he would inject rabbit blood directly into his veins. <sighs> I know, dude. To me, I mean, that screams... Psychosis. Dude should have been locked up in a mental ward. Yeah. As soon as he started talking about his pulmonary artery being taken. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because that is something, if you have those type of beliefs, there's something wrong. Yeah, especially if people are going, dude, powdered blood, at least if you're worried. If you ain't got a yeah. pulmonary artery, you're not alive. Yeah, because it's you're unrealistic dead. beliefs. Right. You know? Right, right. Yeah. So, one would think that it's hard to frighten somebody who works in mental institutions for a living. And if you thought that, you'd be wrong. Because Richard succeeded in doing that not once, but twice. Holy shit. There were reports that indicated on two separate occasions during his stay, he would reach to the bars of his window to grab birds that were sitting on the ledge. Once he had the birds firmly in his hand, he bit their head off while they were alive, and drink their blood. Dude, he was Ozzy before Ozzy bit the bat. I know, the bat's head off. bit the bat. And Dude, Ozzie that's metal. Because he thought it was a rubber bat. That is so metal. So death metal, yes. Damn right. Dude, I are you like wanting to go rock on? I do. I want to sit there and go, you kill it. Kill it, Richard. Come on, you got this, man. I just feel bad for him, really, I do. I want to hold up a lighter and everything. Like, I should be at a Richard Chase concert. <laughs> he was do- it was during this institutional stay that he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So along with the diagnosis, the doctors prescribed him a myriad of psychotropic medications, mainly antipsychotics. Did they give him any fucking animal blood? Did they do that for him? <laughs> no! You failed him. Okay, well, later that year, the doctor stated he began to show signs of improvement with the medications, and for this reason, they deemed him, and I'm quoting, no longer a danger to himself or others, so they released him. However, I have this to say. Um, I want to interject. I have done a shit ton of reading about a wide range of subjects. One of the subjects is mental health disorders, and I've been, I mean, ever since I was high school, I've done that. And the common ways they... 
And the common ways they ha- I've, you know, this is what I've researched. In several books and articles I've read, it's often mentioned that a person who truly suffers from paranoid schizophrenia more times than not refuses to take their medication because they don't trust the medication will not harm them. Correct. You yeah. know, they refuse to take it. Mm-hmm. So, for this reason, I'm skeptical about him showing signs of improvement. Uh, because, honestly, I don't believe... Uh, he was taking the medication he was prescribed, and uh, later in this presentation, you'll understand why I'm actually well, saying that. Well, there's, there's, there's two different standards going on here. Right. The first one being that he may have shown signs of improvement, truly, because he's in a situation where he's forced to take this medication. Right. So there's a structure, right? And... But you release him, there's no fucking structure there. Right. Nothing's going to guarantee he's going to take the antipsychotics. Well, not saying that as well, but there's like structure in his living environment. He gets up; it's the same visual thing. Like exactly. Prison. Exactly. There's nothing to give him no, excess stimulation. As in, no, no, no outside stimulation. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, and when the when the doctors or the orderlies or the nurses are saying, "Okay, Mr. Chase, get up. You're going to take these meds right now. Here's your meds," and they're making sure that you take them. That's way different than if he's living at his parents' house. Right. And saying, okay, here's all your medication. The girl interrupted him and stuck him in her tongue, but whatever. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? With Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder? No. Oh, it's a good movie. Oh. Chick flick? Kind of little, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, I don't watch that yeah, shit. Yeah, whatever, dude. You I watch good movies, movies, like, you know, with serial killers and regular fucking yeah, hack em up movies. Okay. Um, after he was discharged, he moved back in with his parents. Go figure. This was more harmful than helpful because, listen to this, didn't take long for his mother to make the decision he no longer needed his medication. So when she determined this, she began to taper him off. The hell's the opposite of an enabler because she's just a fucking dumbass. Yeah. Since she believed he was suddenly cured of his mental illnesses, she set about finding him a new apartment. The problem here is that Richard was once again living alone and accountable to no one. To top it off, he was more bloodthirsty than he had ever been. I want to interject this. This is kind of a PSA for parents or anybody. Number one, as a parent, unless you work in a mental institution or you have experience, you're not a fucking doctor. Yeah, if the if doctor the, says your child needs meds, they fucking need Give meds. them the goddamn meds. Yes. Don't be weaning. You don't need that anymore. You're not an expert. Set your fucking ass down. Give your psychotic kid... Goddamn medications and make yeah. sure he takes some. Yeah, Jesus exactly. Christ, you're, you're going to end and, up ruining your fucking child. And I'm sorry if you, if anybody out there believes that, you know, doesn't believe in the helpfulness of psychotropic meds or whatever. Some people are born with a chemical ba- imbalance in their brain. It's a chemical imbalance. It's not thought patterns or anything. It is literally a chemical imbalance. So my son is sitting in here with us. Right. And he is a prime example of that. Oh, yeah. Me too. Because him and I had some problems early on. and With his behavior. With his behavior. And I was against medicating him because I was right. one of those people. And I'm not, too, I'm not too proud to admit that I was wrong. He said, I, you know, I, kids don't need any medication. Yeah, and stuff like are, that. And I agree kids are over-medicated today. And they are. However, Some children need yeah. medication. And once Jake got on medication and unfortunately with any kind of uh, mental type of medication right. it's trial and error yeah it's 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 a crapshoot once yeah. you got on the right blend our dynamic changed right well uh, i would think that we we became closer once you got medicated right give me just a thumbs up over there you can talk it's okay 
Um, and uh, and now we have a, a, a fairly good fucking relationship. Somewhat. Um, on, uh, on both ends, because, like I said, I was wrong thinking that he didn't need medication. And I was pretty much fighting it tooth and nail until I gave in. Yeah. Best thing that could have happened to him. Best thing right. That, and... Well, see, and I think a lot of it with us and our generation is the only type of medication we relate for that eight, you know, Ritalin behaviors is Ritalin. And my nephew was on Ritalin, and he, I mean, my, and he's got Down syndrome, and everything. They put him on Ritalin because he was hyper. Well, when they did that, he became a zombie. Right. And I didn't, I didn't want that for myself. And that's what I was uh, saying when they were first looking at medications for him. Right. As uh, they said, well, we want to try Ritalin. I said, no, because yeah. I looked this up and it's got a fucking list of side effects bigger than my dick. And I don't have a small dick. Well, and not just that is the side effects are worse than his behavior now. Way, way worse. So, yeah, but Ritalin, I think, should be discontinued off the market. Period. So, yeah, once, once we found the good balance for him and now he's only on one. Mm-hmm. Um we communicate differently. A lot of it um, was also me ch- making changes in my life. Right. And even to to this day, um, part of it is Jake being in a routine. Right. And the other part is me learning more and more about his mental disabilities. Right. The ADD, the ADHD. And being um, more patient around and it. Being yeah. patient and everything like that. Because uh, Jake and I, I, I kind of yelled at him for touching my radio once early on when he moved back home with me and and he Recently? cried yeah but like when he just oh. moved in oh, we in going the to car? yeah in the oh, car say what radio dude <laughs> and uh after everything was said and done, I said please research add adhd okay so i started researching everything like that and now we're we're at a pretty even keel all in all we do we have bad days yeah we have fucking bad days Everybody. but you know what i'm not doing oh you don't need medication yeah. bullshit i take medication too yeah I wouldn't blame you. He just yeah. said if I say, if I told him to quit taking his medication, he'd kick me in a dick, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you, like one hundred percent. I would not blame you because it's ridiculous, and I can't believe that I was so ignorant at the time to not want to get you medicated. That could have saved so many fucking problems. So many problems, and I think it solves so many problems okay. with you know. It's like people need to be open to that, and um, yeah, don't just think that you know. They want to over-medicate your child because you can be very active in it to make sure they don't. Right, and also do your research on what they're getting, yeah. you, getting them on. If the, if, if the medication is, you know, has a, a huge list of side effects, yeah, maybe you should say, let's the, try yeah, something. Maybe, let's start with know, something different. Exactamundo. Why? Okay, there we go. Um, so, like I said, he couldn't get enough blood. It was around mid-1977. Um... Some people who lived in a reservation around a res- in a reservation in Nevada around the Pyramid Lake area mm-hmm. um, noticed started calling the local sheriff's office. Okay, um, they were receiving so the local sheriff's office receiving these calls from the residents, and they're reporting some strange man they've never seen before just wandering around the lake. Aimlessly, just hey, like I do he that. Was lost. Looked like he was lost, and he was covered in blood. Okay. Okay. So happens to me. Cop. I know every day. Yeah, so some women are on the period. That's all I'm saying. It's up. a bad date. You're disgusting. So cops went out there, discovered it was Richard, 
and they don't know how or why he made that 180 mile trip. So when they found him, they searched his truck inside. They discovered he had a couple of guns and a large bucket. I'm assuming a five gallon <laughs> bucket filled with blood. Okay. okay. Let me say something. While I'm a huge proponent of the NRA and gun rights, there has to be a fucking limit. And this dude here, I don't think Richard Chase should be walking around with a BB gun. I know, because he doesn't have the mental capacity. Yeah, there's not the mental capacity to be responsible enough to own firearms. Yeah, he doesn't have the mental capacity to own a freaking squirt gun. Yeah, no, and I I agree. Yeah. You know, it's not his fault. I'm not trying to make fun of him. It's just a fact. Yeah. So, they were later able to determine that the blood was actually from a cat. So, therefore, the blood on his clothes was likely from him hunting these cows, and they soon released him And after ordering him to pay a fine. Okay? And All hindsight, right. that should have been an indication to somebody that he was no longer going to be satisfied with the blood of a small animal. He would need a way to find more blood to help cure his diseases. Now we were talking on another episode about progression. Yes. That's a proper fucking progression. It is a very proper progression. I mean, you go from small animals to larger animals to beating hearts. <laughs> okay? Now, um, on December 29th, 1977, it marked the first time Richard would kill a human being. His victim was 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin. Ambrose was helping his wife take the groceries out of their car when he was shot and killed. Richard wasn't even identified as a suspect until several weeks later because the murder was thought to be a drive-by shooting. Holy shit. As it turns out, the Ambrose Griffin murder would be the least violent of Richard's crimes. Okay? Progression. Yeah. After Richard killed Ambrose, he waited about four weeks or so before he killed somebody else. little PSA. This is for Joan Delamont. See? That's a proper progression. See how that's going? Small animals. (laughs) Small animals to large animals to person. That's a proper progression. Yeah. You, sir, are a dumbass. (laughs) You don't go from fucking medications to bleach in one day. Yeah. And kill three people in one day. Kill three people in a five-day period. So, Joan, go fuck yourself. I can see people killing multiple people in one shot. Yes. Because that's called, you know, annihilation. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is the weird part. As he waited the four... Oh, this is the weird part? Drinking blood wasn't weird before? No, that's weird. But this part right here is kind of... It shows you his mentality level. His, you know, his IQ level kind of. Okay. He didn't have a method for choosing his victims. They, he merely just walked around the neighborhood and tried to open doors. If the door happened to be locked... He figured he wasn't meant to enter the residence, so he moved on to the next house. He never broke into any of the homes by using force. If ever there was an excuse for locking my doors at night, this is it. There's actually some sense to that. There is. There, I, I, uh, hear me out on this one, too. And I think it has to do with this paranoid schizophrenic. He's, he's schizophrenic. He's paranoid. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's hearing... Part of paranoid schizophrenia is hearing the voices. Right. So maybe... These voices that are that, that that he's talking to, that tells him that he needs to drink blood, are you know told him, look, if the door's open, that's the universe saying, 
mealtime, go get dinner. If it's locked, right. you weren't meant to be in there. Yeah, it, you don't have permission. Yeah, you don't have permission. Right. We'll provide for you. Yeah. You'll know the right house when the door opens. Exactly. Yeah. It could have been something like that. So I can't fault the dude for that. You no, know, me I, neither. But I'm just saying that just tells you his mentality at that right. time. Well, Richard Chase, kudos on that one. Like, for real, brother. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's pretty okay. Right. So, on January 23rd, 1978, as I turned three years old, that's my birthday, Richard was committing his second murder. It was early in the afternoon when he found a 22-year-old Terry Wallen's door unlocked. Dun, dun, dun. Terry was three months pregnant when Richard killed her. I wasn't able to find all of the details, but what I did find was bad enough. That's a two-for-one special. I Yeah, I have... Some request out to gather more information, but, you know. That's, that's called a BOGO. Buy one, get one. Shut up. <laughs> so, however, for now, I'll tell you this. He shot Terry three times before he sliced her stomach open. Once she was eviscerated, he had sex with her corpse. Then he went into the kitchen, found an empty yogurt cup, went back to her body and used the cup to collect her blood. So it made it easier for him to drink. He basically sucked the blood out of her meat, you know, her tissues. I'm sorry. I'm just over here thinking that's playing out in my head. I'm sorry for the silence. Is yeah. Normally, I have a comment on most shit. You, there's no comment for that. I was reading it, and I'm at the same time, it was horrific. But at the same time, I kind of felt bad for him too. Chase, you just now rendered me speechless, and that's that's a, difficult. An impossibility. I yeah. never thought it ever happened. That's. Kind of so, a very rare, much rarer thing to have. Yeah, yeah, just keep going, yeah. So Terry's fiance David, came home after work, you know, only to be hit with a horrible sight. He walked into the bedroom, and he saw Terry's mutilated body lying on the bed. He was in such a state of shock, he ran next door to get help, rather than calling the authorities from his own phone. Jesus Christ. Yeah. His only thought was, get the fuck out of the house. Okay? Right, the dude might still be in there, man. Yeah. The first officer on scene later would report that the site he walked in on was so horrific, he would have nightmares about it for several months afterwards. Be honest, I might have fucking nightmares of that because it's playing out in my fucking yeah. head right now. So all I can say is thank you very much for that one, well, asshole. I'm a visual thinker. I might have that coming to me, though, since, you know, you know that your mom wants me. Shut up. Anyway. Badly. You know, and I'm a visual thinker, so that's all I can see right now. FBI, okay, and this is what happened. Um, let's see here. Oh, FBI agent Robert Ressler, who is actually credited for the concept of profiling criminals and coining the phrase serial killer. Oh, sweet. He was called in to consult on the case right away because local authorities knew this was going to be a case unlike any they had ever seen in the past. And for this reason, they wanted to hit the ground running, knowing what type of killer would be responsible for. You, you fucking know, for the think even in the yeah. future, we've featured a lot of killers. This yeah. one here. It, he takes the cake. God. It, you know, and for them to call FBI right away says a lot because normally they don't right away. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This is why this one here is once again bothering me. Much like the, the Delamont one day. Yeah. It's not the killing. True. It's not even the drinking of the blood. Right. Okay? That's fine. It's not fine, but, you know, I can give that one my pass. She's 
three months pregnant, you eviscerate her, then you have you defile her corpse. Yeah. After shooting her and, and cutting her open and all that good stuff. Right. Then you take the time. And you got to think, there's something involved here that hasn't been clicked on yet. Time. Most killers want to get the fuck out. Yeah. You don't want to get caught because the more time that you're with that body, the more chances, your, your, your likelihood of being caught or seen goes up. Exactly. Because of, 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 of the variance. You know, there could you, be a UPS guy. Walks in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her friend, you know, could come over to have tea with her or coffee. Right. You don't know. And you chose her just by opening up her door and her door was just simply unlocked. Then takes that time, though, goes into the kitchen, gets an empty yogurt cup to take her blood. Right. And drink it. Exactly. That is, there's so much going on just in this murder scene. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. We don't even see that amount of violence today no, in 2021. Not at all. And I can't remember. We're on probably episode 70 something now. This is episode 70 exactly. Oh, it is 70 exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, so my calendar is I know, correct. Good for you. Um, so out of 70 that we have featured, including some pretty gross ones like the Toy Box Killer. Right. The toy box killer was fucking disgusting. He was disgusting, but not like this. Yeah. This is above and beyond. Exactly. I can't wait to hear the rest of the story. I'm sorry. I just... Fuck. Yeah. I know. It's really, really bad. Now, check this out. So. um, Wrestler was able to... After he, you know... Looked at the crime scene. Um, He was able to provide them with a profile, and I'll share that in a second. But he also told the local authorities this killer was most like, most definitely going to strike again and soon. And they, if they didn't apprehend him quickly, okay. I would agree with that. Even thinking of it from that perspective that they're looking at right now, because. That's something that's very, very violent. It was very brutal, and it wasn't just rage. It was. This is thought out. Yeah. Well, I'll sh- I'll share something here. It I to me it wasn't thought out so much. To me it was he knew what he needed. He needed sexual release and he needed blood. But you also got to figure like we've been talking about this whole episode because of of Delamont um level of progression. True. So looking at a crime scene like that, at least in my mind, you have to assume that they didn't start off with this. This is not a first-time kill. No, but it was... I see disorganization in it, too. Yeah, okay. but a first-time kill isn't going to have this much... Uh, like, right. you're, you're raping a dead body. You're eviscerating him. Right. They're, they probably found the yogurt cup. That's probably how they figured out that... Either that or cup. it was part of his confession later, yeah. Uh, could be, yeah. Oh, maybe. But uh. they're... There's a lot going on in somebody's home. True. And this was in the middle of the day, right? Mm-hmm. That is a like level. Like the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. This is a level, a high level of progression. Mm-hmm. If you came in and she just had four gunshot wounds in her. Right. Okay. And she was raped. Well, and he obviously wasn't concerned about hiding evidence or anything because he did it in the middle of the day. Exactly. He wasn't hiding anything. But if you came in and you found out that the body had been raped. Uh-huh. And she's got bullet yeah. wounds in her. You could go, okay. We're probably looking for somebody who's stalking, and this is probably a recent 
type of thing, like the the the, the evolution of right. his killing, has got to be fairly on the low end of of, of the evolutionary scale right. of, of how he's going to progress. Now, when you're talking about the way her body was left, pregnant, so at three months eviscerated. you're showing eviscerated, molested, sexually assaulted, shot, shot, and if uh, whether it was they found out during his confession or they found yeah, the that cup, he drank the blood, yeah, um, you know, but even if they don't know about the drug, the 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 uh, the, the blood drinking, that's a high level of escalation. Very high. Very extremely high. You yeah, because he went from blending up small animals and hunting a cow and draining its blood to this. To this. Yeah. So even if you're going in at this point, I'm pretty sure the cops don't know about the animals and the cow because they Not don't yet. know this dude. Um, you're looking at this body. Yeah, that's a safe assumption. Dude, this is at the end of an, of an evolution. Mm-hmm. Because now he... He's, uh, what did they call it? Not declining, but... Um, Escalating? No, it's something when they're, like, starting... It's um, when they're at the height of their evolution, where it's like they can't get any higher. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's... I the can't pinnacle. remember what's... Huh? The pinnacle is... No, because it's when um, they start to um, unravel, basically, and, like, do... You know, they... You know, where right. some of them end up committing suicide. Right. But, so, you know, that... So, yeah, it's, it's a safe assumption, just thinking of the crime scene in my head... That this guy has killed at least something before. This is not his first kill. Right. And with the amount of violence done to the body, yeah, this dude's going to strike again. And it's going to be a short, 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 short cooling down period. Very short. I would estimate between one day and one week. That is my estimation just based on this crime scene. How long? One day and one week is my estimation. So one to seven days. Yeah, one to seven days. Okay. Let's see. For the next three days, law enforcement worked around the clock searching for the person responsible for her murder. Yet they came up empty-handed at every turn. Then on January 27th, four days later... There you go. The call they all were dreading came in. A resident who lived in North Sacramento went over to visit her neighbor. When they knocked and nobody answered the door... They actually went into the house because the cars were outside. Okay? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So that's where they found the bodies of three people living there. Check this out. Each victim had been shot before they were violently brutalized. The victims were 36-year-old Evelyn Maroth, who met the same fate Terry did. So she was raped. I mean, she was eviscerated, sexually assaulted. Shot. The whole yeah, shot. All yeah, all that shit. Her six-year-old son, Jason... And her 56-year-old, uh, and 56-year-old Daniel Meredith, he was a friend of the family. Evelyn's 22-month-old nephew, Michael Ferreira, was missing, and they assumed he had been abducted by the person responsible for the murders. This one also confuses me, not because of the escalation. I, I totally get that. Yeah. But how does one person... Okay, so you enter the house. I'm not thinking of the kid. The kid, that's an easy kill. I'm thinking he shot the man first. That's it. Well, that's easy peasy right there. Mm-hmm. Then the woman would be scared and run. You just walked into the house. If, and if you're walking into a common area where these two people are, mm-hmm. they're going to see you. And the second that you pull out a gun, there's got to be things to duck behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just how you take out two adults and a child all at once. I don't know. 
That's I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I understand the escalation. I don't understand jumping up to three, but why? But it was an open door. But and he didn't open know what door, was and the kid is just incidental. I'm, I don't approve of killing kids Mm-mm. at fucking all. But okay. But there's no sign that he brutalized this child. I mean, there was no. I couldn't find anything that said it. Okay. Not saying it, it didn't happen. I'm just saying I couldn't at this time. <laughs> so to me, I just got the picture that he shot the kid, and then just brutalized the woman. Okay. Okay. That's the, that's the picture I'm having in my head. I could be wrong. So no activity <clears throat> like that with the man. N- yeah. There okay. was. I mean, in the reports I've read so far, no. Okay. Cool. Or with the child. Now, once Agent Rustler was able to examine the Terry Walling crimes, and this is before this happened, he provided local law enforcement with this profile. White male, tw- between 25 to 27 years old, thin, undernourished appearance, Residents will be extremely sovereignly and unkept and evidence of the crime will be found at the residence. He will have a history of mental illness and will have been involved in the use of drugs. I'm going to agree with that. He will be a loner who does not associate with either males or females and will probably spend a great deal of time in his own house where he lives alone. Unemployed, possibly receives some form of disability money. Almost spot on. Yeah, I would agree okay. with that assessment. Yeah. If residing with anyone, he would it would be with his parents. However, that is unlikely. No prior military record, possibly high school or college dropout. People su- probably suffering from one or more forms of paranoid psychosis. Spot on. Good God, this guy's good. I know. So after delivering his profile, Agent Wrestler went on to classify this killer as a disorganized offender, which means that the murderer didn't plan the murder before he carried it out. He also said that the killer more than likely had a serious mental illness and could not distinguish the difference between right and wrong. This is in contrast. And I think that's true because I don't think he planned it. I don't think he stalked them. I think it just the door was open. He walked in. That's what he found. No, and and I agree you know? with that. And I don't think that he really knew the difference between right and wrong. Because so in his mind, mm-hmm. this is what he needed to survive. And I'm not saying that it's right, boys and girls. I'm not no, condoning it. You However, have to think, you have to you know yeah. see it from his perspective. Look at yeah, look at it through his eyes. Richard Chase's eyes. This he's doing this out of necessity. Yes, not desire. However, however. There's a sexual aspect to it, and he's fucking dead bodies of women. Exactly. And cannibalism. And cannibalism. Yeah. So, so yeah. he's, while he needs the blood to survive, my concern now lies in the sexual aspect of it. Right. But we found out early on that the only way he could achieve an erection was by killing a small animal. Right. So and maybe I'm, when he killed this woman and eviscerated her, he got an erection and needed relief. And then that's more than likely it. It's just that that's one of my big concerns there right. from the mental aspect of it. Uh, yeah, from, from from the mental analysis of it right. is why. Okay, this is just how my brain works. Okay, let's say that I have been horny as fuck all week long. Okay, and now at uh, five twenty-two p.m. Pacific start time. I'm starving. I'm fucking hungry. For sex? No, just hungry oh, in general. Hungry. Gotcha. Like, I need to get some food. I'm always hungry for sex. I was going to say, what else is new? Because I'm a whore. Um, but um, <coughs> nature 
kind of dictates that you take care of one problem before the other. Mm-hmm. Nourishment normally mm-hmm. takes precedence over food. Right. Or I mean, over sex, rather. Correct. So. Nourishment over pleasure, basically. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where I'm a little, and I'm trying to kind of get an idea of the his psychosis and how it's working in his own mind. But there's also no indication. I mean, it could also, and I'm just throwing this out there. It's Like I said, there's nothing that substantiates this theory of mine. But could he have possibly consumed her blood as he's having sex with her? That's always a possibility. You I mean, know, like there, a vampire would. There's going to be blood at play during sex, no matter what. Yeah, because, because he she's eviscerated. Yes. Yeah. Chances of him staying so clean. So there's a high possibility he was feeding himself as he's gratifying himself. It could have been. It could have been. You know, a kind of a combo deal. There. Yeah. Then he it's just, just reads it, I mean, bends down and like sucks her blood, basically. I just know, like, and especially like after. Okay. We went with I'm horny as fuck all week, right? And but now I'm starving and I've eaten. The last thing I want to do after having a good meal is have sex. It's fuck. That's, That's less, true. And, and, and on any occasion, I can have Drew Barrymore. Drew, if you're listening to this, don't do it. Drop that restraining order because I am in love. Don't with do you. it. <laughs> but no, seriously, Drew Barrymore can walk through my door and go, Scotty. Today's the day. Today's your day. Let's get freaky. And I just now had a wonderful meal prepared by my son, Jacob. Right. Um, and, uh, he's getting better, by the way. He is. He's actually enjoying cooking and everything like that. I Him and I have been that. talking cooking. Um, you know, if she came in right now and said, okay, today's the day. I'm going to take my clothes off right now. I want you to fuck my brains out. I'd be like, you got to give me a half hour there, honey. Believe me, because right. things got to settle. Yeah. I'm, you you know, just have this... It's not a bloated feeling, but you have a heavy feeling. Yeah, I have a heavy feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, and plus I wouldn't want to just, you know, uh, you know, disappoint Drew. Right. But, um, yeah, that, that's the last thing I wanted to do yeah. right now. Give me five minutes. Yeah, you, you, you got to kind of let everything set. So I just, in my mind, and I'm, I'm probably way off base when it comes to his mental situation. I... Feeding and having sex at the exact same time. Feeding for the for, for the purpose of, of nourishment, not right. just not food play for sex in, right. in the bedroom. Exactly. That's different. That's different. But feeding for the for the purpose of be, of nourishing your body um can't happen at the same time I, as sexual I, but pleasure. I don't think he's he's not really drinking the blood for nourishment. He's drinking the blood as a medication, as a self medication. No, no, no. He said that he needed the blood, right? Yeah, to self-medicate because his freaking pulmonary artery was missing and his blood was turning into powder. None of it was for nourishment purposes. Oh. It was all for self-medication purposes. Okay, then I'm thinking about I'm thinking Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah. shit going on in my head. Yeah. So, no, and okay. I, the cannibalism, I think, came in the fact that, you know, he, they, it's been, I mean, like I said, I haven't had anything to substantiate sense. this yet, but I have seen, like, small hints that he did not just not, not like ate tissue but like gnawed it basically so, okay no, now I'm digging okay that is a different situation yeah. in my head because so in his mind while he's medicating himself he's getting his medicine he, right it's releasing the proper endorphins exactly for him to feel better yes for him to feel great for him to be sexually active right it's kind of like uh, fucking taking uh, a, a wonderful antidepressant and a, a boner uh, pill and a boner pill. Yeah. Yeah. 
completely. So, yeah. No, because okay. when you were saying nourishment, I'm like, wait a minute, though. He's not doing... He's okay, not, yeah, I was... His blood consumption was for nourishment. I don't know what where my brain is. I totally... Because of the vampire name. Yeah, maybe. I just... I, normally, I don't take your shit out of context. Um, I know, but... Today is just one of those fucking days. Well, you know. Uh, okay, so, anyways, after committing the murders at Evelyn's house, he stole Daniel Meredith's car. A red station wagon he had parked outside. A shagging wagon. Yeah. Well, station wagons were very popular back then. And it was red like blood. Yeah. Good choice. So, since Agent Rustler figured the person they were looking for clearly wasn't a, like, methodical planner, he wouldn't be concerned about concealing the evidence. For this reason, he believed the car would be found somewhere in the vicinity of where this killer lived. Makes sense. Okay. It didn't take long, like within, I would say within hours at tops, the authorities found the vehicle um, and it was actually within close proximity of Evelyn's house. Oh. When they located the car, the door was open and the keys were in the ignition. They knew that the killer was somewhere close by. So they launched a massive manhunt. This included 65, at least, more than 65 officers. Ma'am, ma'am, that is sexist. It should also be called a person hunt or a woman hunt because you women are just as fucking crazy. Sexist bastards. So they started from the vehicle and had been abandoned and began with a half mile radius from that point. They questioned everyone who passed by and knocked on every door. Um... And asked them if they had seen somebody who fit the description of the person they were looking for, um, who likely had blood all over his clothes. Yeah, that'd be a good. You seen anybody covered in blood? Yeah, kind of looking for them. Whatever, running into his house. Here he was, just walking down the street, singing bloody, 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 blood, bloody, blood. Are you done? Licking his fingers okay, and done. chewing on their feet. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You had to put that in there, did you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Fucker. So within a matter of minutes, the lead they were looking for came from a younger woman. She appeared to be in her late 20s, and she told them <laughs> that she was at a local shopping mall between 1130 and 12 in the afternoon on January 20th when Terry was murdered. While she was there, she saw a man she'd gone to school with. When she saw him, she was shocked by how he looked. He was so pale and frighteningly thin, and he had large, dark circles around his eyes. Oh, he's a Greek. Yeah, you. Yeah, me. Except for the thin Except I'm not thin, but <laughs> all of us Greeks have the same thing. So he was so thin that his clothes seemed to just hang on him. He was wearing a sweatshirt at the time, and she thought that the large stains on it were the result of blood. Oh, there you go. As she was climbing into her car to drive off, he came towards her telling her he just wanted to talk. And he even came up to the door and tried to yank it open, but she just stepped on the gas and drove away. Yeah, because that's not creepy. This creepy ass Yeah, guy even that if you knew, knew him or not, yeah, he yeah. looked fucking hey, scary. Hold on, I just want to talk. I'm going like to yank open your door. Oh, why won't you talk to me? Yeah, I don't fucking blame her for saying adios, bitch yeah. nachos. I'm out. Yeah. And so um, she told them that the man was Richard Chase and that they had graduated high school in 1968. Just so happens that the mall was actually really close to Terry's house. So when they ran Richard's name, 
The authorities learned that he lived in an apartment located less than a block from where the vehicle was left abandoned. Good so he lived in the neighborhood Evelyn lived in. Yeah, well, at least he didn't drive it up to his own driveway, right? right? He just kind of took a little stroll. Right. Exactly. So Richard came, as, you know, so when they realized where the apartment was, they got, you know, they started to approach it, and he was coming out with a little while later with a box tucked neatly under his arm. When he looked up and saw what was happening, he quickly started running. You think? The sheer panic he displayed at the sight of the cops made it clear they had found the one they were looking for. When the officer tackled Richard to the ground, they found he had a twenty-two revolver and a shoulder holster, and he was carrying Daniel Meredith's wallet in his back pocket. When they searched the contents of the box, they found a bunch of bloody rags he was trying to get rid of, and when they searched his apartment, they discovered a shit ton of shit that told them that they had the person they were looking for. They found all of the bloody food blenders, some newspaper articles that featured... Ambrose Griffin's murder. Ambrose Griffin's murder. Yeah. Um, a bunch of bloody clothes. Some knives Richard had stolen from Terry's house. And when they, the officer who searched his truck described it as a trash dump on four wheels. Yeah, we kind of figured. Yeah. It was filled with empty beer cans and bloody rags. And all this evidence they collected, probably the most disturbing to me, because the bloody rags and stuff like that, okay. You know, that's kind of... You could cut yourself. That. Yeah. However, to me, the most disturbing part would be the calendar that he had on the wall and the dates that he murdered people just simply marked today. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't know if he planned it in advance or wrote it after he was done. Now. Oh, my God. Well, at least he kept track, right? Yeah. He, it didn't take long for the local authorities to realize he fit the profile that wrestler delivered down to the last cross T in the dotted eye. Richard Traub began early 1979. He was facing six counts of murder because by then the authorities had linked his gun to the shell casings found at the Ambrose Griffin murder. And the body of the little 22-month-old wasn't discovered until March 24th. Ooh, where it had been discarded thing. near some trash cans in the parking lot of a local church. The janitor of the church was the one to discover the body, and he called the police. I couldn't find reports as of yet that gave the details of what Richard had done to this child. But maybe it's better I don't know. I was really, really, really seriously. I thought, and no word of a joke, I really thought you were going to say the the 22-month-old was discovered. In that box. Well, no, not oh. in the box. Like with, uh, you know, he had run off and been found, you know, by some people. Or like left at a doorstep because why something. Would, yeah. Ah, no, man. This Dude, is what Chase, I found you're a out. Dick. As um, they had the authorities had a difficult time even identifying him as little Michael because of what had been done to him. Oh man. Yeah. So as you probably could have guessed. Richard pled not guilty by reason of diminished capacity or insanity. Right. That's kind of okay. a... You'd think he'd get it, right? Well, that's exactly what his attorney would tell him to plead because he, uh, he fits yeah, the profile. Well, and I was going to say, you would think that he would get it. No. What is astonishing to me is that the courts rejected this plea and the jury, of course, found him guilty on all counts and sentenced him to death by the electric chair because that's what they had back then. Right. It wasn't long before he was transferred to San Quentin where he would await the day the state executed him. As it turns out, though, Wrestler would later go on record and say 
that he disagreed with the ruling of the court and said if ever there was someone who should have been granted the insanity plea, it was Richard James And I agree. And as disgusted even, as yeah. I am with him, this man is, he, yeah. he fits the proper profile. Yes. He is, his kind is the reason why the insanity plea exactly. is still in play mm -hmm. today. Because he is, or was, I mean, he's probably dead by now, but um, he had diminished capacity. Well, yeah, because he was And a track record thinking, of it. Yeah, he wasn't thinking, I have to kill this person to kill them. He was thinking, I have to kill this person because I need to survive. Right, and he had a history. Mm -hmm. You can prove it with the documentation yeah. of the schizophrenia and, and uh, the, the institutionalization, the institutionalization mm -hmm. and everything like that. You can prove that. Right. How they didn't give him that. Is beyond me. <sighs> Beyond me. This is this has just been a week of me just shaking my head because this is another one of those cases that I really feel I'm disgusted by what he did. Yes. Very disgusted by it. However, I'm also disgusted by the penal system of the state of California. Well, and like I said, the society let him down. Yeah. They didn't protect him from himself. I, I, exactly. And and it also failed him in the in the aspect of giving this man the death penalty. When yeah. now he can't be released in the public, and I, I get that, and I'm not right. about housing people for the rest of their fucking lives. Right. However, this is one of those cases. If they housed him for the rest of his life, um, you know, in a mental institution, they could study him. You could study him, but I'd also give it a thumbs up, even if they didn't study him, because there's something wrong up here. Exactly. It's not his fault. Exactly. That he's doing this. There's something wrong in his brain pan. Yes. Yeah, he didn't make the choice to be a killer. They, Something happened in his head. He he was let down, in my eyes, by his parents. Yeah, from a young age. From a young age, mm -hmm. by the mental institution that he was in, by right down to the, the court system, which is supposed to protect people. Right. He is as much of a victim mm -hmm. as he is a serial killer. Right. And that's just my opinion on it right there. And I, I may have jumped way forward into the questioning and shit like that, but... Well, a little bit, but that's fine. I, I, had, I had to get that off of my yeah. chest. I'm just... I'm disgusted, like I said, at Richard, but I'm also disgusted at the fucking penal system of the state of California for that time period. Yeah. Well, check this out. Um, Richard's reputation preceded his arrival at San Quentin. The other inmates there had heard about his case and the absolute brutality of the crimes he committed. So for that reason, they wanted nothing to do with him, and most of them avoided him completely. Toughest motherfucker yeah. in the goddamn prison. And it's not like, because usually if there's a crime against a child, they're like victimized themselves. Yeah. He was left the fuck alone. They're like, smart. this is one crazy motherfucker. And who says criminals are stupid? These yeah. are some smart men. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. So as... You know, because, you know, Agent Wrestler was responsible for, study, you know, interviewing and studying the inmates that um, helped develop criminal profiling. So as part of that work for the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit, he and another uh, FBI agent, John Conway, actually went to San Quentin to conduct interviews with Richard. Good. He would say that he always had an uneasy feeling every time he went into one of the interviews but just walking from the entrance of the prison facility to the room where they would conduct the interviews before they even saw Richard, he just felt different in San Quentin. He said there, there was 
a walk that was oppressive and almost frightening. You know, because of the feel of the institution. You're in fucking San Quentin yeah. prison. It's not the Rose Garden. True. He felt that it was almost as if he was going beyond the point of no return. Like he would not that. be able to get out of there. No, I can, I can understand that. It's me too. San Quentin fucking prison, man. Yeah, me They too. kill people there or did before the moratorium. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so when Wrestler actually saw Richard for the first time up close to interview him, he said the impression he immediately got, the first impression... Reminded him of the character from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Marley's Ghost. Oh. Mainly because of his pale appearance and the leg irons he was wearing. (laughs) However, the thing that stood out the most, and I'm going to quote him here in a second, is the thing he'll never forget, and it was Richard's eyes. He said, I'll never forget them. They were like those of a shark in the movie Jaws. No pupils, just black spots. These were evil eyes that stayed with me long after the interview. I almost got the impression that he couldn't really see me, that he was seeing through me, just staring. And that's scary. Very. But I will tell you, I have seen that look in somebody else's eyes. Exactly how they describe that. Me? No. No. Okay. No. One of the, I'm going to feature him. That's because I blend in. You do a little bit. Kind of scary. So while Agent Wrestler and Conway interviewed him, Richard never showed any signs of aggression. And, but that could be due to the strong medication they had him taking. He's not an aggressive person no, by normally, nature. No. His acts were yeah. aggressive. Okay, this is what's going to confuse our listeners with what I just said. His acts were very aggressive. They were brutal. And brutal. But I don't think by nature... He was aggressive. He's an aggressive person. No. You can do brutal acts and by nature not be a brutal person. Yeah, very introverted. Right. Yeah. There, there, there is a difference. A huge difference. Yeah. So he also freely admitted to committing the murders. But he also stated he didn't have a choice. He had to commit the murders if he wanted to stay alive. Right. There were several points during the interview... That, and you're going to love this, that he brought up the subjects of UFOs and Nazis. Because he was deathly afraid of both subjects. Oh, okay. At one point during the middle of the interview, he put his hands in his pockets. And when he brought them back out, he had a handful of macaroni and cheese. He told Wrestler and Conway that he he was convinced the prison guards were just Nazis on the mission to kill him. And he wanted them to take the food and have it tested for poison. No, he's not of dip- diminished capacity at all. Right. Not at all. He's hiding macaroni and fucking cheese in Good his pants. Good fucking job, state of California for yeah. the 70s. Good way fucking to let, job. Le- way to let down somebody who needed help. So, now you'll find out why I don't believe Richard was taking the medication in the mental institution that they claimed made an improvement on his mental state. On December 26, 1980, I just realized that's the day after Christmas, Richard Chase was found dead in his cell. It was determined his death was caused by an overdose of antidepressants he had obviously been hoarding for several months. He was 30 years old. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I guess he probably really wanted to die. Probably. Probably really, really wanted to die. I mean... because. Maybe, and maybe, just maybe, the gravity of his actions was weighing on him. Exactly. Because even though they didn't say it, I believe once he realized what he had done, 
once you got some medications in, yeah, and give, give th- there the, was remorse involved to give him more of that more lucid moment. Exactly, I believe he truly had remorse there. I, I agree. At some point, that's why I'm just I'm yeah. so disappointed in the so, criminal justice system. So nature right now. or nurture, Scott? Nature. And well, and nurture. I was going to say, I think it's both. Yeah, because his parents were pretty fucked up too. Mm-hmm. So because I think paranoid schizophrenia is something you're born with; it just yes. doesn't present until later. And so that's nature. And, and to top it off, with and I'm probably going to get sued for this, but I have to call her this. Richard Chase's mom's a cunt. Oh yeah. Sit there. And I mean, say, come on, sugar tits. Yeah, I'll say it. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> come she on, sugar sh- tits. Stuff. You fucked your son no royally. Shit. You don't take your kids' fucking meds away. Exactly. You're not a fucking professional. You don't if your fucking son, abuse them. You if, get them help. If your son would have stayed on those meds, he wouldn't have died in a prison. If so your that's son would have stayed on those meds, those freaking six people would not have fucking died. Exactly. And guess what, Mrs. Chase? That's on you. Mm-hmm. That is totally on you. That is your fault. One hundred fucking and percent. You know what? I don't wish ill upon anybody, but I hope that weighs on her conscience for the rest of her life. Oh, and me if too. Dead, I hope it did. Me too. I do. I honestly do. And I'm sorry if that upsets anybody. Um, I myself would not be able to live if that was my son that did it. Exactly. And I had kept him from his medication, didn't get him help, you know. All that shit. Fucking ridiculous, I man. would have guilt with that for the rest of my life. Innocent people died for no other reason Because than... she took his medicine away. And then got him an apartment where he was living alone and had nobody to give him a schedule or regimen him or account- hold him accountable for anything. Right. He was free to do whatever the fuck he wanted. So, yeah, no, I hold her completely responsible. You're not the only one there. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> yeah. And then, I'm disgusted by him, but I'm really disgusted by the, like I said, the, the court system at the time right. and his mother, his, yes. his fucking parents. And, and uh, even as his father, dude, you should have stepped up. Yeah. You should have had some fucking balls, dude. Exactly. And step up and go, hey, look, bitch, you're not yeah. a fucking medical professional. Let's give Richard his meds. Well, and there was one article I read that just had a blurb in it, and I couldn't find it in any other article, so I didn't really feature it. But... There was one article I read that had a little blurb that after he had to give up his first apartment because he couldn't afford it anymore, he moved back home for a little while and his dad helped him find another apartment where he could live by himself. So he kind of aided in that as well. Maybe not to the extent the mother did. Right. No, and that's that's a tough one for me to kind of dissect only because... It could have been that his dad's like, look, I don't want our nutball son living or with Or he us. was encouraging him to be independent. Yeah. It could be either or. Mm-hmm. You know, he may have had the best of intentions, but you would think that at some point his mother would have been telling his dad, well, I took away Richard's meds. I weaned him off of it because he doesn't yeah, need him. Yeah, he doesn't need him anymore. And dad He's should have stood fine. up and gone, looked at her literally, and I don't care how much in love with the person you are, looked at her and gone, what the fuck? Look here, sugar tits. That ain't happening. Exactly. Look here, sugar tits. That's not happening right. with our fucking son. You make well, sure yeah. he takes that shit. Well, and I mean, I've talked to you about this because um, that really bothered me because uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine, bipolar disorder with the hallucinations, was on medication. And he got with this girl and she convinced him he no longer needed him. Right. And it was not even a month after he quit taking them, he committed suicide. Had a police standoff and committed suicide right around the corner from my house. Yeah. And I had been with him the night before, and I still hold guilt over it. But to me, I do blame her. I mean, yes, what he did was wrong. 
But I blame her for convincing him he didn't need his meds. No, I agree. And, I 100% you agree. Know, so, and you, you did answer my question when um, I was going to ask if you thought that he should have had diminished capacity. Now, my next question would be, um, I don't even know how to say this, but do you think that he killed Ambrose Griffin because it was almost like a drive-by no person person to person? There was no closeness to it? Right. To see if the cops were would start like canvassing the area to look for a murderer. See, and that's another one that kind of confused me because he killed Ambrose but didn't take his From blood. From a distance. There was no blood taking. Right. So I'm thinking he did that to see if he could get away with killing somebody. Or maybe it was just pinned on him. That, well, it, the shell casing matched his gun. Everything matched. It was all, you know. Hmm. It's a toughie. Yeah. That's a toughie. You know, because that, that's, that's the one that kind of, it's like, okay, but why did he do that one? Was Maybe it because he, was he wanted to kill somebody to see if he could get, you know, if he could actually kill somebody? Maybe he was maybe a it Nazi. Was a, maybe it was, huh? Maybe he was a Nazi. Oh, shut up. Like I'm, Klaus. Yeah. But maybe he did it to see if he had the nerve to actually kill somebody to begin with because he wanted to, you know, kill somebody and get their blood. Could be. You know? That's that's a hard one. It really is because... Yeah, because that's the have, one that I, I wrestled I have with. a problem with that one only because all of his other victims... Were personal, I mean, like, very personal. Very personal, and he took blood. Very brutal, yes. And but he didn't brutal. take blood from the man, from did, what I could Yeah, find. right, but, but from the women he did. But just to go and pop the dude... Outside. Outside. Broad daylight. It doesn't match. Yeah. Not same, same. Not same, same. Yeah, well, to me, it's not same, same when it comes to the profiling, but I'm wondering if it's same, same because it was for him to build confidence. That's the uh, only thing I'm looking at. It could be. I mean, he was escalating from killing cows. Yeah. And then, you know, so, shooting this man would indicate, okay, if I can shoot somebody from a distance, you know, then maybe I can kill somebody up close. Yeah, could be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah, may have been it, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I honestly believe our justice system and the medical society and society in general, and especially his parents, let him down. They 100%. totally, totally let him down. And by not protecting him from himself, they, in, in, in essence, put the public in jeopardy, too. Because these murders could have been prevented if they had kept him institutionalized. Correct. Correct. Or you know, at least on his meds. Uh, I just gotta shake my head at this one. I man. know. Exactly. It's, it, it's really bothering me because out of all the serial killers that we've talked about and all the ones that we've done episodes on and even researched. The brutality was, has never been this bad. It hasn't been this bad, but if anybody, and out of all of them that say, you know, hey, I was of diminished capacity at the time. I call bullshit. You've seen me do it. Dude, we just had one Monday. Yeah. I call bullshit 99.999999% of the time. We just had an episode Monday where he tried to claim diminished capacity. Bitch, please. And and I only only say that 999% of the time because up until now it was 100%. (laughs) Richard Trenton Chase should have certainly been considered of diminished capacity. Exactly. And institutionalized. Plus, you brought it up yourself. You hit the nail on the head. A perfect opportunity to study study this mm-hmm. this animal. Exactly. 
Because why did he kill? Because what drove his paranoia to think that he his blood was turning to powder? Because he truly believed that. Beyond even that, what made him think that his that his artery was missing, or his fear of UFOs yeah. and Nazis? Where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, so many opportunities to advance psychiatric care. So many. Because once you research so somebody like this firsthand, now you can figure out how to treat that. Yes. Whether it's through medication and chemicals or just therapy and breaking it down in a way that he can accept You can accept do scans and understand. On, his brains, you know, on his brain and give him like visual stimuli to see what parts of his brain are being stimulated by what pic, you know, vision. Did they have MRIs back I then? I think so. And CTs? I think so. I, I, I can't I remember. I could be wrong, but you know. But just... <sighs> What a missed opportunity and what a wasted mm-hmm. life. Wasted. Uh, it's just Yeah, he was 30 years old when he committed suicide and I think I think the same thing you do is that he maybe he was the same as what, you know, Carol Cole and Carl Panzram were. He knew that the only way for him to truly be cured would be to be killed, to die. Yeah. And he didn't want to wait for the freaking appeal system to be finished. Yeah. Oh, no, I can relate to that. Yeah. Because before I was on medication, when I was on my downward spiral and and then got back on uh, antidepressants, the only way that you will ever feel better is one of two things, at least for me. Go back to doing cocaine. Right. Or put a gun in my mouth. Yes. Two, two choices. And the voices will actually, your brain will actually tell you that shit. Yeah. And, and it's not like you're paranoid schizophrenic. No, no. It's the, your thoughts, your own self-talk. Yeah. Because yeah. my brain would do this to me. You know, Scott, you're kind of a fucking piece of shit, right? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. I'm a good guitar player. Nah, you're shit at, you're shit at music. You're garbage. But you know what would make you good, Scotty? Then you go, like, what? A bump of cocaine. Just a bump. Just a bump. That's all, yeah, man, that's all you need. You won't, you won't be addicted anymore. You've been off it for a long time. Just a bump. Yeah. I'm not going to go back to doing drugs. Well, you know what else will help you? What? Why don't you take your, one of your guns? Yeah. And end it. Put it in your mouth. That 45, that'll take your head clean off, buddy. Yeah. That's what you hear. And you got to fight that shit. You do. And it comes to a point to where when I got back on the medication, I was telling my business partner at the time and my, one of my former bass players, look, um, I'm going to be fucked up for a couple of months because I got to get back on meds. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have no choice. I'm having breakdowns every fucking day. Right. You know, and thank God I had a very good support system at the time. Um, Crystal, my former business partner, as well as uh, Terry, was my bass player, very supportive. Right. And, and that helped out a lot. I can't imagine going through this shit uh, with Richard Chase's parents. Yeah. I can't fucking imagine no. that for a microsecond. See, and when I had my nervous breakdown where I actually literally, and I've talked about this before, where I shut down for over a year, um, I knew I didn't want to commit suicide. Because it was after Brian had committed suicide, and I saw what it did to his family, and I didn't want to put my family through that. You understand what I mean? Right. So, but I will tell you this. I went to bed every night and begged whoever, I mean, whoever was fucking listening and the higher power up there, whether it be God or anything. I said, you know what? Don't let me wake up in the morning. Please do not let me wake up in the morning because I cannot live like this anymore. Yeah. And um, I didn't go back to drugs, but I did drink heavily. 
I mean, I drank at least a half gallon, if not more, of fucking rum a day. Yeah, I, I was doing, I was doing dope, and I was drinking a fifth of Jim Beam every day. And you know, we talk about our stuff like it's pretty big shit, and it is to us. But could you imagine going through what Richard Trenton Chase went through? No, and, I couldn't imagine it all. In his own circumstances, with having his no. parents, and, and and basically being alone. Yeah, no I, support I can't. system. <sighs> I couldn't imagine because even during that time, like I said, a lot of people who I thought were my friends didn't even reach out to me. Oh, yeah. I got no phone calls, nothing. Um, if Everybody's your for, friend when you're on top. Yeah. I've learned, I've learned that. Yeah. Everybody's your friend when you're on the yeah. top. But when you're when on you're the bottom. When you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're Whether, on the ground yeah. and you're puking and you're shitting yourself because you're, you're, you're yeah, detoxing. Yeah, when you're fucking in that gutter. And you can't fucking dig yourself out. Friend is hard to find. Man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, thankfully I had good bandmates at the time. Yeah. Uh, when my you know uh, when my former wife uh, called them, and they actually got my nasty ass into a bathtub, and hosed me off and got oh, me naked. Um, you know, for them, but okay, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. And they were, they, you know, people were very supportive then. Right. While I didn't love myself. They right. still love me. Well, see, and that's just it. If it weren't, I mean, because my mom was still around and everything, but she didn't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, but my best friend, and, and maybe I am friends with her for a reason, because you and I have talked about this, that the universe or whatever puts people or situations in your life that we realize will help are actually beneficial to you. Because her and I were best friends and she had actually gone through what I was going through several years prior. So she would come over every other day. And every, like, fifth day or whatever, she would force me to take a shower and make me leave the house. Right. You know? And so she was there. She would call me every day to see how I was doing if she couldn't come over. And it's like sometimes I'd be like, just leave me the fuck alone. And she'd be like, <laughs> you know, she would call me anyways. How you doing? You know, I'm coming over. And she would come in my house. I mean, even if she didn't tell me she was coming over, she would always walk into my room carrying a Dutch Brothers and an egg McMuff- uh, sausage McMuffin. Sweet. Every, you know, every time she came over. <clears throat> so it was those actions that told me at least somebody cared. One person at least cared. You know? That's why I profess, especially on this show, to yeah. do, do acts of kindness, man. Yeah. It doesn't cost you anything. Because it doesn't cost you a I fucking be- thing. He's one of the ones that I believe... Was, like I said, let down by society. 100%. And, I mean, society, the courts, the fucking uh, mental uh, uh, professionals. Yeah, everything. Everybody let him down because, you know, I mean, like I said, I don't really empathize with him like we did Carl. You know what I mean? Right. But on some level, I do. Maybe not to that full extent. This one's just confusing to me because I'm both but on disgusted. Some level, but you do have... But I'm also... You feel bad for him. There's so many emotions going through me right now. Right. I know. Just thinking about this poor fucker. Mm-hmm. And doing a comparison between the shit that I thought was big shit mm-hmm. until you read about this dude here. Right. And doing a comparison going, fuck, yeah, I've been through some shit, but nothing. Yeah, because I thought my life was hell. Nothing compared to Richard yeah, Chase. nothing. Not Fuck, one thing compared man. to how, what he went through. That's jacked up. You ready to wrap this one up? I, you know, I've, I've been ready, but, you know, I think that we needed to give that PSA about helping people. and Be kind to one another, mother, yeah. motherfuckers. 
And you know what? Don't encourage people to get off their meds if they're on medication. Exactly. Don't you're not a mental. It. You're not a mental yeah. health professional or and a doctor. You don't know their case. Their doctor does. Exactly. So yeah. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium as well as Crime Beat, which is on Medium, by searching at Brutal Nation. You can also use that same search to find us on Vocal Media and Hub Pages. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. Remember, boys and girls, all rights are reserved. If you want to use a part of this, you got to send us a damn email. Yeah, we might share with I mean, I'd share. But, you it know. depends if they're <laughs> cute. That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, so you be pay cute. us. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys and girls, we'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. <laughs>